everybody. Welcome to the debate. Uh, today we have a very special guest, Dr. E. Michael Jones, going up against Ben Thorpe on the topic, Is the Gospel of John Anti-Jewish? This promises to be a very interesting debate, and I know Dr. Jones' time is valuable, so I'll give him a minute to introduce himself, and then we'll jump straight into opening statements. Yeah, I'm Dr. E. Michael Jones. Uh, I'm the editor of Culture Wars magazine, and a number of years ago, I wrote, wrote a book called The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, uh, and I'll be citing that uh, to make my case today that the Gospel of John is uh, anti-Jewish. Uh, by making that case, I am uh, taking the opposite of the position that the gospel is anti-Semitic. Just to define the term, anti-Semitism is a word that came in fairly recently, 1871, around that time. Uh, Wilhelm Marr created it. It's a, a racial term. It, uh, it means that uh, there is some type of biological determinism among the Jewish people, which uh, causes them to act the way they do. It's not my case. My case is the Gospel of John is anti-Jewish. So at an evangelical Jewish dialogue at the Evangelical Academy of Arnoldsheim in Germany in March 1989, Misha Brumlich, a Jewish participant, got quickly to the point. How is it possible when the irreducible, how is dialogue possible when the irreducible kernel of the Gospel of St. John is intrinsically anti-Jewish? If the gospel is, as Brumley claims, an embassy of hate, then the issue is not interfaith dialogue, but the identity of the Christianity itself. If the gospel of St. John is normative for Christianity, then Christianity is a religion of hate, and there is no point in engaging in dialogue with its adherents. Uh, Brumley engages in this dialogue, but only to denounce the foundational writings of Christianity as hate speech. In the Gospel of St. John, he writes, the message that is supposed to lead the people by way of faith and the Son to the Father is in reality a message of marginalization, fear, anxiety, and hate. There is no other scripture in the New Testament in which Christianity more fully achieves its non-Jewish identity, and there is no other scripture in which the marginalization of the Jews, and by that I mean Judaism, is achieved in such a sharp, irreconcilable, and unbridgeable manner as in the Gospel according to John. St. John achieves this by portraying Jews both in the form of the spontaneous mob as well as in the form of political leadership as murderers, assassins, and killers. That's the quote from Brumlich. Even the Jews who believe in Jesus insofar as they wanted to remain Jews have to hear themselves denounced as children of the devil. The heart of the matter for Brumlich lies in chapter 8, which he sees as proto-racist, meaning politically and socio-psychologically explainable delusions tied together in a consistent Satanology, demonizing the Jews and giving them no chance. According to Brumlich, St. John portrays the Jews as a group of people who do, don't recognize Jesus as the Son of God because they are ontologically and constitutionally incapable of recognizing him as such. This is part and parcel according to this view of the Satanic nature of the Jews. They can't recognize him, and so they must persecute him. Why do you understand what I am saying? Why don't you understand what I am saying? Because you can't hear my word. The devil is your father. This is Jesus Christ talking to the Jews. And you prefer to do what your father wants. He was a murderer from the start and was never grounded in the truth. There is no truth in him at all. The Gospels are not and cannot be construed as anti-Semitic 
because as Caron points out in his uh, book, Qui sont les Juifs de l'Évangile de Jean, it is clear that the expression does not include the entirety of the Jewish people. Jesus and his disciples, along with John the Baptist, are Jews. The term Jew, according to Caron, is not used in an ethnic or racial sense. The Gospels cannot be anti-Semitic because the antagonists are all Semites. The Gospels do not espouse hatred of individuals because of race. It would be impossible for them to do so because the Christians in the Gospel are all Jews. <clears throat> this does not preclude, however, the anti-Jewish nature of the Gospel, depending on how one defines the term. How is the term Jew used? Brumlich is not helpful here. He is unable to clarify the issue because clarification revolves around the true identity of Christ. The Gospel of St. John, according to Brumlich, portrays Jews, in fact, all Jews, insofar as they are Jews, which is to say, insofar as they hold fast to their position of children of Abraham as essentially damned enemies of Jesus. Jesus would probably object, not because damnation was not a real possibility for his opponents, but because Brumlich portrays them as loyal children of Abraham, a contention Jesus rejects in John 8.37, when he says, if you were Abraham's children, you would do as Abraham did. The Gospel of St. John is not and cannot be construed as anti-Semitic, but it is, as Brumlich claims, Judenfeindlich, it is anti-Jewish. Following the scripture scholar Raymond Brown's lead, Kaufman avoids the issue, claiming that hoyudeoi, when he uses that term, St. John uses that term, he means Jewish leaders. To capture its correct term, uh, Kaufman writes, tus hudeois and hoyudeoi could be translated in the same verse as the Jerusalem official, officials, leaders, or authorities. Kaufman says, the tendency on the part of the past to fuel anti-Semitism by the gospel's frequent use of the phrase Jew could be eliminated by the traditional translation of Hoyudayoi as hostile Jerusalem leaders, where the translation is justified by the context. Kaufman complains that several new translations of the Bible eliminated sexist language, but did not at the same time correct anti-Jewish language. Unless better translations are made, such corrections should be made in lectionaries and all materials used for public reading and study. Translating Hoyudeoi as the Jewish leaders creates its own problems. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea were Jewish leaders, but they were also followers of Christ, and thus proof that there was little unanimity among as little unanimity among leaders as among followers. Brumlich rightly rejects translation of Hoyudeoi as leaders because that would hide what John makes clear, namely that he's talking about not just the Pharisees, but about all Jews. At the beginning of the Gospel of St. John, hoi judeoi means all of the Jews. By the end of the Gospel, it means all of the Jews who have rejected Christ. The Jews aren't Judeans or Pharisees or other groups opposing the followers of Jesus. They are, in Brumlich's view, the Jewish people. The fact that the divine word of Christians was a Jew does not change the fundamentally anti-Jewish nature of this gospel. Brumley concludes that dialogue between Christians and Jews is impossible if either takes the gospel of St. John as a starting point. There is no possible meeting point between Jesus uh, is the, as the essence of Christianity according to his gospel 
And that essence is precisely what Jews, insofar as they want to remain Jews, must reject. Brumlich inadvertently makes the same point as St. John. To hold on to their identity, the Jews had to reject Christ. The Jews, as opposed to the entire ethnic group, some of which accepted Christ as the Messiah, which we could call Hebrews or uh, some other term, children of Moses, created an identity for themselves that was essentially negative. St. John brings his readers to this understanding gradually as the Jews define themselves in encounters with Christ in his gospel. Jew in the context of the gospel of St. John cannot mean all Jews in an ethnic or racial sense since Jesus himself was a Jew as were his disciples. Karen says this particular use of hoyudeoi in the narrative context of the gospel denies us the possibility of using that expression in any nationalist or ethnic sense. Similarly, Karan denies hoyudeoi can be translated as Jewish leaders. This brings us to the identity, Jewish identity, which is an essentially negative identity. The Jews are the people who rejected Jesus Christ. This is uh, characterized in other passages in the gospel, St. Paul uh, in his uh, 1 Thessalonians 2 refers to uh, the Jews as the people who killed Christ and enemies of the, they, and became enemies of the entire human race. That's my opening statement. Thank you. Okay. All right, Dad, you've got 10 minutes. Ready? And for Dr. Jones for making it onto our tiny little channel. We're having some technical difficulties, yes, but we'll so just much. roll through them. Um, but I want to get to the to the question at hand, and I really think it was interesting the way Dr. Jones framed this. Um, I believe the backstory here or the history um, of this debate goes back to uh, an article or a book written by Rosemary uh, Ruther, who was a feminist Catholic author, um, who I think was trying to understand Nostra Aetate, the Vatican II declaration that originated as a way to discuss the Jewish um, question, but became a declaration on non-Christian religions. Um, in that work, she wrote a particular, there was a particular chapter in which she examined the Gospel of John, um, which started this controversy, which I don't think had been a controversy prior. Um, and so when Dr. Jones create, uh, quotes the 1989 work of Brumlich and those following, I believe this is way into a controversy <clears throat> that I think is framed incorrectly. It's a modern misunderstanding of, uh, and, and I understand that, that it's nuanced, uh, of the Gospel of John. Of course, any debate is gonna have this question, what do we mean by the term anti-Jewish? And in a certain sense, both Dr. Jones and I could argue pro and con, although I won't put words in his mouth. But the, um, the, the key, as I see it, or, or, or I think what we're really getting at, why this isn't strictly an academic debate, um, is that what the question becomes is whether the Gospel of John, one of the foundational texts of the Christian religion, which is impossible to set aside, though there have been, recently there was an article in uh, America Magazine, which I think came from a, uh, a Jewish scholar's attempt uh, to say that that 
reading, the, the, the lectionary where the Gospel of John, and that's the Good Friday liturgy, should be set aside as uh, anti-Semitic. This kind of a claim, I, I agree with Dr. Jones, is this, this idea that, that the Gospel of John is hate speech and is therefore anti-Semitic, and I, I agree with Dr. Jones's parsing of that word. Um, and so we're pitted here in a sense, at the core of, I think, a very, very controversial situation, which is this hate speech. If, if Christianity is hate speech, then, then Christians either have to renounce their religion, right? Two point whatever billion people have to renounce their religion, or um, those who call it hate speech have to renounce their position. And this is sort of a, I think Dr. Jones is portraying this as a kind of, um, like intense and unresolvable dilemma. However, I don't think that framework is at all necessary. It can be argued, for example, and I think Dr. Jones would agree with me, that the, the Gospel of John is the most pro-Jewish of the Gospels. For example, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all in their passion narrative, focus on the role of uh, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, in, in uh in accusing Christ of blasphemy. In the Gospel of John, it's very clear that the Jewish leaders are concerned with the Roman response to their people, which is a much more sympathetic, I think, uh, reading of that response. And they had legitimate concerns, so it's much more of a, of a, of a sympathetic, uh, it's a much more sympathetic reading also the gospel of john even in this term hoyude which i completely concede means the jews is in many instances either neutral about the jews like when they said the jews had their passover or in fact laudatory and obviously the writer of the gospel of john was thoroughly imbued in judaism in fact many many scholars have said that the johannine community whether it was actually uh, the beloved disciple, or the community which formed around him, may have the closest to a to a to a, a truly Jewish mentality and 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 Jewish um, kind of an embeddedness in Judaism. So there can be an argument made that Matthew is far more anti-Jewish. The the verse about may his blood be on our hands and on the hands of our uh, children is not found in the Gospel of John. And in Luke and Acts, uh, the clear denunciations of the, the, the charge of deicide is very clearly made, although I think that's nuanced as well. So to say, for example, that the Gospel of John is particularly anti-Jewish, I just don't think holds up. And the rhetoric that's used in the, in the famous uh, eighth chapter is first century rhetoric, which is forceful. And the, and the Jewish people also had their denunciations uh, I forget what it's called. In the first century, there are these denunciations of the Christians, may they all burn in hell, that kind of thing. Uh, so, it's, so it can be seen in the context of a sibling rivalry, Jews arguing with other Jews about where this is headed in the midst of a cataclysmic situation in the Roman Empire. And the Gospel of John is not unanimously or unambiguously taking the, the uh, taking an argument against the Jewish people. I want to I, I want to conclude my uh, sorry, <laughs> so sorry. Uh, I want to conclude my argument with an appeal because we're both fellow Catholics to 
the liturgical use, and there can be many arguments about how the Gospel of John is not particularly anti-Jewish. I make one from the scriptures themselves, comparing them with others. But there can be an argument made from the liturgical tradition in the Good Friday liturgy in which the Gospel of John is read. Uh, and it's a long liturgy. Grace maybe remembers it. It, it. It's read kind of in its entirety. The role of the Jewish people is taken by the congregation, not by any you know, particular group or, or uh, the lector or the priest. And I think that is a representation of how we are, sub I mean, I think that's the teaching through liturgy of how we are to take this. The behavior of those people at that time was in a sense a, the human response to God's presence, messianic presence, and they failed. And I think the point of the Good Friday liturgy, although Jewish, I, I, you know, I've seen Jewish uh, writers say, well, it must have been at the end of this recitation that they took the Jews, you know, you know they went to the Jewish neighborhood and beat, beat them and threw rocks at them. I don't think that's true. I think the church is clearly saying that um, this is a human response, and that these people in this situation had a human response of having a hard time with the radical teaching which called them out of themselves. And I, for one, like saying those words um, at Good Friday, uh, at the Good Friday liturgy. I think there's a little bit of those Pharisees and those people in all of us. And I don't think it was intended, as both Jewish scholars and, ironically, Dr. Jones are saying that this is really about a kind of historical assessment of a group of people who are both religious and ethnic throughout time. I think that's a misunderstanding. That is a total lack of focus on what, what is intended there. It's possible to do that, but it, it shouldn't be normative to do that. And um, I, I, I'll end with, it, with an example of something that I was talking with a friend of mine, a, a great Orthodox believer in uh, Eastern Europe. And at one point I said, you're acting, I said something like you're acting kind of pharisaical. And he said to me, are you accusing me of being a Jew? And he meant it as like the worst sort of insult. And I think that's the kind of rhetoric we want to avoid. And I'm not sure that framing this debate in these ways avoids it because what we're doing is setting ourselves up for a kind of apocalyptic confrontation between Christians and Jews. And I, I think that's what's similar to what's going on in the Ukraine and Russia. And I know uh, Dr. Jones often sees similarities and does a wonderful job of that. I think we need to get away from this stuff. And I think we need to um, avoid this kind of confrontation, even in our analysis, while being honest, while being fully honest. So with that, I'll conclude my uh my opening statement and i'm sorry again for the bad tech okay thank you so much both of you for the opening statements i just want to say thank you again dr jones for coming on it's just a real honor to have you on um so we're going to move into cross-examination so during cross-examine just for the audience uh whoever is cross-examining the other person can interrupt them can talk as much as they want there is no like it's not considered rude at all it's just they get to use the time however they wish but they're generally they ask the other person questions so we're gonna do eight minutes each starting with e michael jones 
Yeah, well, uh, I, I appreciate your, uh, the ironic nature of, of your project here. Uh, and in a sense, that's exactly what the church endorsed with the Vatican II. It uh, decided to set aside all of the, uh, the teachings of contempt, to use the Jewish word for it. We're going to sit down and we're dialogue. And for 50 years, that's exactly what everyone did. And it was a colossal failure. And I'm not saying uh, this is E. Michael Jones's uh, judgment. It was the Vatican itself wrote a document, uh, Donez something or other, in which they said it really didn't achieve anything. It didn't achieve anything because we're talking about one of the fundamental disagreement in human history, which is the conflict between Logos and anti-Logos, and there's no way to smooth it over. Now, it got started on a bad uh, footing uh, with Nostra Aetate. First, it got started on a bad footing because the Jews were trying to subvert the gospel uh, through using intermediaries like Malachi Martin. Uh, to basically get a statement that would say that the Jews did not kill Christ. That was the goal here. It failed, but they, they ed it did make a statement which said that the, the church opposes all forms of anti-Semitism. Well, what does that mean? They unfortunately never defined what anti-Semitism is. And so now Catholics are totally befuddled and you have uh, basically groups like America Magazine and the Jesuits saying that we have to, anything that the Jews don't like, we have to accept. We have to accept the ADL's definition of anti-Semitism. This is impossible. The Catholic Church cannot do this. Uh, I am, the, the, there is, what can the Catholic Church do? Uh, is the Gospel of John hate speech? No, it's love speech uh, because it's trying to bring salvation to the Jews. That's the one time that it's a non-pejorative term in the Gospel of St. John. Every other time, the term Jew is pejorative. There's no way of getting around it. That is simply the fact, uh, is the consciousness of Christianity at that time, and we can't get away from it. So given that fact, how is, how is a Catholic supposed to react? How did Peter react? The beginning of the Acts of the Apostles gives a clear indication of not, not only how he acted, but the basically the commission that every single pope after him has if he ever goes to Jerusalem, which popes have done recently. What does he say? He walks in uh, and says, you killed Christ. That's his opening statement. At that point, the Jews uh, say, the Jews are cut to the heart. And then they say, oh, what must we do to be saved? And he says, you must be baptized. That's it. Now, that's not hate speech. That's love speech. But it has to be completely honest about the guilt that the Jews incurred at this moment in time. There's no way of getting around it. And the problem here is that the more we dance around this issue, the, the more unhappy the Jews become. They become uh, unhappy. The, the more we, the Catholic Church engages with dialogue, the more they concede, the more angry the Jews become. Because I think fundamentally they sense there's an element of dishonesty here. So there's no, if, if the Jews consider the, the gospel of St. John hate speech, uh, uh, there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, uh, I think that's their problem. That is precisely their problem. Uh, but the only way we can counter that is by pursuing uh, the course that St. Peter pursued uh, uh, in the Acts of the Apostles. There's no way to ameliorate this conflict. The only way you can ameliorate it is through the conversion of the Jews. Uh, you have four minutes left if you want to. Do you want to? Oh, that's okay. We, we have, uh, we have, uh, go ahead. You can say that we can take it up, uh, use it for the uh, question and answer at the end. Sure. 
Okay, sure. So, Dad, right, you've got so eight minutes. Go ahead. Timer. Okay. Dr. Jones, I just wanted to, since since it was your topic that we uh, we went with here, and I absolutely am uh, very appreciative, I would just like you to see, to see if you could define what exactly you mean by the term anti-Jewish. Anti what do you mean by anti-Jewish? This is the, uh, the antagonism between the Jews who accepted Jesus Christ and the Jews uh, who rejected Jesus Christ. The, those the, before that group of people is known as Jew. That's the, in a sense, the essence of the word Jew, as of the Gospel of St. John. And it comes out in passages like, uh, the parents of the man born blind refused to speak out of fear of the Jews because the Jews uh, uh, th uh, threatened to expel from the synagogue anyone who accepted Jesus as the Messiah. Jew is a negative term. It is a pejorative term. It means rejecter of Christ. It means rejecter of Logos. It means revolutionary. There's no way of getting around it. And well, so if the, I, if I can interrupt you the, church, the, the church has to be anti-Jewish. The, 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 it is not used exclusively in a pejorative sense in the Gospel of John. Would you recognize that? I understand yeah. that the majority would be, but there are some neutral uses and there, there are some favorable uses. I, the only favorable thing, or new, I would say neutral, the only neutral passage I would say is uh, salvation is from the Jews. And in right, that sense, when, when he's talking to the Samaritan woman and he's heading up to Jerusalem. The Jewish feast of Passover, that's not a, that's not a pejorative or the Passover feast of the Jews, something like that. It's not pejorative. And I, but I would concede the majority of them are no, I, uh, I, used pejoratively. What I'm saying is that after Jesus Christ has his confrontation with the Jews, when he tells them your father is Satan, every, 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 every use of the term is pejorative, even when it's descriptive. But do you think that the gospel of the point of, let's say, the eighth chapter, right, the most like controversial chapter, you're saying that the point of the Johannine author in writing that, or or what, or, or our Lord's point in having that conversation, was to condemn the Jewish people. It was to upbraid the Jewish people and give them a chance, but uh, in not in, in stating that in no uncertain terms about their intention and the consequences of their actions if they reject him. He, right. he has to be, this is a life and death situation. He has to be as frank as possible. And he has to basically uproot this notion that they have some type of biological superiority when they tell them that uh, they are the seed of Abraham. He has to, he can't mince words. And that's precisely what he does in that, in that chapter. And all of but, the other uses are uh, radiate out from that, that, uh, that statement. But you wouldn't you wouldn't argue that the eighth chapter of John is intended to tell Christians for all time that this is your attitude towards this ethno religious group, isn't it? Isn't it supposed to be that 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 our Lord or the Logos, as you want to say it, like the first the first chapter of John, right? It, 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 this idea of the Logos when it encounters fallen man, including Jews, but also I think it would be upbraiding us in the West in our day. Of saying, and I think you would agree with this, that it is when you turn from the logos that you become a child of the devil, and has really nothing to do with whether you're a Jew, a Greek, a Christian, a man, or a woman, right? No, it does. It does because this is a special case. These are God's chosen people. They have had a, a special assistance throughout their entire existence, and they have to make a decision at this point. 
they have to uh, are they going to accept the logos on the terms that Christ pro proposes or are they going to reject it this is a life and death situation we can't pussyfoot around uh with with uh, a catholic jewish dialogue here we have to get directly to the point uh if you make this if you if you make this decision if you reject the logos there will be severe consequences and i would prefer to spare you those consequences i think that's that's the way we have to go into this uh into talking with jews I, I understand i understand your point about it, go ahead i understand your point about the the vatican dialogue I, I'd like to just shelve that for a little bit, but maybe we can get into it um, later. But my, my point would be you couldn't possibly think that the, that the, the Holy Spirit inspired the writer of the Gospel of John in the eighth chapter to, that this was, a, this was, a, was a, a message for Christian people throughout history to have an anti-Jewish attitude. Isn't it an example? Because you are fully aware, maybe more than most, uh, that that in a sense the Gospel of John has this philosophical dimension of the logos, right? And the right. Jewish people are just an an example of how the logos comes in. And and I my point about the Gospel of John, it's very sympathetic to the Jewish people. I think we read ourselves into the Jewish people as saying, when when our Lord comes into my world and wants to ask me and challenge me to do something I don't want to do and that I'm not used to, I want to kill him. I want to shut him up. I don't want him to tell me the truth. And that's the point of the gospel. Not, it's not, I, I don't understand. I think this is a mutual misreading between a certain type of Jewish reading and a certain type of Christian reading. Like you, you agree with your enemy in this way of framing it as that, that, the, that the Holy Spirit was here trying to make an assessment of an ethno-religious religious group throughout history. That that's, can't possibly we, be the main thrust there. Sure is. I would say it is. We have to oppose. We have to oppose uh, the Jews. We have to oppose the projects of the Jewish people. And the, the, if we don't, uh, the situation becomes very dire. Okay, and that's the history of America during our period, where the, in 1965, Nostra Aetate uh, goes. Uh, it gets promulgated. Everyone's enthusiastic about this dialogue. And what do the Jews do? They break the production code with a, a Holocaust film called the uh, the Pawnbroker. They immediately use the advantage that they gained to undermine the moral order in the United States of America and the rest of the world. That is why we have to oppose them. We have no choice. We have to. Christians have, must be anti-Jewish. There is no choice in the matter. We have to oppose the schemes of the Jews. We have this right now uh, with the overturn of Roe versus Wade. The Jews are now saying suddenly, suddenly Jews are uh, uh, abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. We have to oppose that. That is typical Jewish attack on Logos and Christians have a duty to oppose it. All right, well, I, I would just I would just say that I can't believe I, I, I know there's not enough time for nuance, but I can't believe that you would honestly state that the Holy Spirit wrote that as a commentary on an ethno religious group and not as a commentary on on the human response the fallen human response okay let, let me let me respond the challenge to challenge of logos the, the council of trent says uh, sinners uh, christ was killed by the sins the sinners killed christ okay and but it's always quoted in this context as if sinner and jew are mutually exclusive categories no that's not the case 
That's not the case. Uh, sitters are part of the category. And so it, it's a meaningless type of statement. The Jews have an, an ethnic identity. Okay, their ethnic identity is based on rejection of Logos. That is their fate. That is what it's been for 2000 years. And because of that rejection of Logos, we as Catholics and Christians have to oppose what they do, because if we don't, they will destroy the world. And we're close to that right now. Okay, that's time. Um, So it's back over to you, Dr. Jones, for your uh, second cross examine. You have eight minutes starting now. Uh, so the question is, uh, what are, do we have to reject the gospel of St. John if we want to get along with the Jews? Now, that's what Misha Brumlich said. Do you agree with that? Absolutely not. I think it's a misframing. I think we need to frame this in a way that both, I, th- I think this, this is a framing that's apocalyptic, unnecessary, and has n- very little or nothing to do with what the gospel is really about. We have a duty to oppose Jews. I don't know what that means. Do we have a duty to oppose? Well, Jews? then I'd have to get specific. I, uh, I think we have a duty to oppose those who oppose Logo. So okay, I would agree now, with you now there. I'm going to be specific again. Well, let's be very specific. 140 Jewish organizations said that abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. Do we have a, a duty to oppose that as Christians? Absolutely, but not on the grounds that's Jewish. Wait a minute. They're saying it's Jewish. They are saying that it's a fundamental Jewish value. They are nailing they are nailing their colors to the mast here and saying their religion is fundamentally pro-abortion. Now, what that's what does that say about their religion? I'm saying the conclusion is very clear. They worship Moloch. The people who call themselves Jews now are really Moloch worshipers because the children of Moses are really Christians in the Catholic Church. Okay, but you're assuming that the proper Catholic response to a situation such as the Roe versus Wade thing is to see what the Jews say and then respond to that. I don't believe that's true at all. I don't think that that we have to take that bait because I think that that is part of this anti-Logos thing is to always start. I know on my channel, I start beefs with people, but I believe that, that that's a that it, you're saying that the Catholic response should, to, to say a historical situation should be based on the response of a very tiny group of people who have inordinate power. And I've read your books and I agree with everything in there. But that seems so uh, sort of lacking in confidence that we shouldn't say something th- that's true based on what we believe, but we should be responding. It's almost a kind of you're, you're almost subordinating the Catholic religion to Jews. Oh, I'm saying that there is a concrete situation right now. The decision on abortion has changed. There are now lawsuits in state legislatures across the country by Jews saying that if uh, there are any restrictions on abortion, uh, the, the state is preventing the Jews from practicing their religion. That's the situation. Now, either we ignore it or, or we deal with it. And I'm saying if you're on the, in the situation, the pro-life movement has to deal with the Jews now. It's inescapable. There's no way around it. And I'm saying it's not a coincidence because the people, these people are the people that killed Christ and they are enemies of the entire human race. And they're always going to be involved in some type of nefarious plot. Read the book. 
that's that's the, the thesis, and I showed two thousand years of, of nefarious plots. I read. I I haven't read the entirety of your book, but I I agree with everything in your book except the conclusion that this this is like the fundamental Christian project is to is to be. No wait, no wait, no wait, no wait, no wait, no wait. The fundamental Christian project that's stating something else. I'm saying in a concrete historical situation right now, we are confronted with a Jewish assault on decency and the moral order, and it's our duty as Christians to oppose it. Now, that has nothing to do with the Trinity. It has nothing to do with all sorts of Christianity, Catholicism. It's much bigger than that. But at this moment in history, that is the, the battle. There, The battle lines are drawn right there, and it's our duty as Americans to oppose it as okay. a Jewish operation. Okay, but, okay, but now uh, my critique of that would be that you could understand how someone by someone someone by framing a question a certain way and you taking that frame could be playing into sort of their right they sort of win this i think happens in protestantism when you get a protestant who is quote mining or uh what do you ever call that sort of quote mining the bible proof texting proof texting once you fall into the proof texting back you've conceded the fundamental epistemological structure right we don't proof text as a general thing we say we have to talk about the church and to, and to get it kind of an interpretive structure i'm not going to concede to you proof texting proof texting i think i contend who am i nobody but i i would just question whether that's what's going on here because this idea of taking the the gospel of john and making it into a jewish versus christian sort of political fight to the death makes no sense to me and also let's say the critique of the jews is that they're they want to use political power and manipulation how why would we do the same right isn't it our lord had had a hostile experience with the jews he didn't respond in kind right how is it that christians suddenly are acting like as you say often messianic jews that we're gonna we're gonna fight power with power shouldn't we have a christian uh a, a thoroughly christian response which is not being lying, but 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 loving, right? Love our enemies. I don't hear that here. Where where is that? You're you're saying what? love is tough love or something like that. Yeah, love is meaningless uh, with if you don't bring the truth into the matter. So you have to have uh, love and truth at the same time. And truth means dealing with the historical situation as we find it. We have no choice in the matter. We are creatures of time. We're thrown into history. We're thrown into a situation where the church has never been weaker and it's been, never been weaker because it's capitulated to the Jews. In one, it's lost one battle, one cultural battle after another, beginning in 1965 with the, the production code, the loss of the production code. Christians, uh, Christian love does not mean uh, a death wish. It, it's not uh, cultural suicide. This is precisely the point of Secret Judeus Non, which was the church's teaching on the Jews, which is basically no one has the right to harm the Jew. Okay, that sounds Christian, doesn't it? Okay, but at the same time, the Jew has no right to destroy your culture or undermine faith and morals. He cannot be allowed that position. Well, we have done nothing but that in the past 60 years. We have allowed him to take over the culture and he has ruined our culture. Because of this false understanding of love as basically going along with whatever One these minute people left. want. But isn't this a victim narrative? Aren't you saying that this tiny group of people 
through their connection with the Satan. And isn't it we that gave up? Isn't it we that didn't resist? Isn't it we that yes, lost yes, our connection? Course. Where is that being said here? This group it. of people can't do anything without us. What do, you, what do you think about the? I said the production code. The Catholics ran up the, the white flag uh, in one of the most successful campaigns against Jews in American history, namely the Legion of Decency basically controlling the, the smut that was coming out of, of uh, Hollywood. That is a very successful campaign. It's got nothing to do with hate or anything like that. The Jews were furious at it. They uh, they were grinding their teeth for 31 years, and they looked for the opportunity. We cannot allow them these opportunities anymore. We cannot allow Jews to have any position of cultural power, any position. They have total control of our culture right now, and as a result, we have millions of people dying because of it. Uh, abortion, uh, 50 million, and there we have a, a war right now a totally Jewish war uh, run by Jews using the poor Ukrainian people as proxy warriors, which may lead to a nuclear exchange. We cannot go any further. We, it, it, our, our very existence is on the line because we, and we have to get rid of this specious notion of love as doing whatever these people want. Agreed. I agree. Okay, that's However, time. I don't that's... think the Ukrainians and the Russians would be fighting if they recognized each other as brothers in Christ and I understand there's manipulation, but I, I only hear one aspect of this. And maybe you're saying that's just my my jam. That's what I do. But I mean, it, it seems like the overwhelming uh, population there is also playing into this and have real culpability in the same way that the Jewish people who denied Christ had it then. And to blame the Jews is a very I, I don't know. I I would just say it's much more subtle than that. Now, my chance. Is that what it is? Yep. My chance? Yep. It's your okay. turn. Eight minutes. All right. Dr. Jones, I have a real question for you. I think uh, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but we're both Catholics. And I think you would recognize that the magisterium of the church may maybe or maybe not the universal magisterium of the church, but certainly since the Second Vatican Council has taken a conciliatory or uh, let's say, positive-oriented view of the relation between Christians and Jews, correct? No. Not the, the, the Nostra Aetate no. was no. not a kind of olive yes, branch? Yes, of course. Of course, Nostra Aetate is a magisterial okay. document. Uh, it reaffirms the, the, the fact that the Jews killed Christ, and it has a, a statement in there that simply has to be clarified, and the statement is, the Jews, uh, the church opposes all forms of anti-Semitism. You can't make a statement like that without defining anti-Semitism. All ambiguous statements have to be clarified in light of tradition. That's one of them. Now, okay. what you're talking about is, if you're talking about Catholic Jewish dialogue, that is not, there's nothing magisterial about it. It's a policy, a policy okay. that is based on some type of understanding of a new opening. So policies right. are not magisterial. Okay, but the new opening, you would say, is magisterial. That uh, the, Let's say you have to reconcile somehow the Holy Spirit was doing something in that document. And subsequent popes, right, have been unswerving. Pope St. John Paul II, Pope Benedict XVI, and Pope Francis have followed a clear trajectory. As much as people want to say Pope Francis is veering, in this area, you would recognize that there has been an enthusiastic, maybe misguided, but an enthusiastic and consistent magisterial um, and also prudential 
uh, move towards conciliation. No, right? No, it's not magisterial. Magisterial. The magisterium. Magisteri no, no, no. The magisterium is documents. They have to be statements. Like council documents are part of the magisterium. The policy of deciding to go to Israel and give a talk—that's a policy. That's not magisterial. There's nothing magisterial about that. So, so okay. So, but it, th that could be questioned. I think that the actions and the 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 official teaching documents but there have been official te teaching documents as well arguing for a continued sort of movement towards reconciliation and my question is you i think you said this has been subverted or this has been um something has happened here that that went wrong right in this right. in this as thing catholic, that's gone on since the second Vatican yeah, catholic, catholic jewish dialogue is a policy i've called it it's a failed experiment Okay. So it was, it was an attempt. It was an attempt to take what happened in Vatican II and put it into practical application by having these meetings with the Jews. It has failed miserably. Even the Vatican had to admit that it failed. So it's okay. it's not magisterial. It's political. It's a policy decision. Okay. On on whose authority are you saying that it failed? I'm saying donus, the, the state, the Vatican statement itself, it, it minces words to some extent, but I'm saying they admitted that it failed. What, what, what possible, what good has come of it? Okay. But now, that, if, but if now, it hasn't, if it hasn't failed, give me some example. I'll give okay. you, I'll give you an example. Uh, the, the uh, bishop here at uh, the Obama administration wants to force this little sisters of the poor to buy yep. contraceptives. Our local bishop goes to the Jews and says, we got, we religious people have to stick together. Well, they laughed at him. They mm -hmm. laughed at him. We're not going to support you in that. They haven't supported the church in anything. They haven't okay. held up to the agreements that they made with the church in Israel. They have used this. Uh, they have exploited the goodwill of the church to advance their satanic agenda. But you, but aren't you using the criteria of you as a secular historian, as an American, and as someone who has seen it, are going to tell the church that this has been a failure? And my only question is, how does a Catholic do that? Because you know that the magisterium requires a submission of intellect and will, which you know does not mean what everybody in the chat's going to say, which is blind will if the Pope says black is white and white is black. But it, I, I just don't see as a Catholic, I understand that you can say, well, it, it hasn't, I haven't seen the results so far, right? But you could say that of Humani Vitae also, that it hasn't been received, it hasn't been integrated, but you wouldn't doubt that teaching. But you're saying that this... You know, it's on some level magisterial shift, right? So, for example, no, no. Can, can I clarify it? Sure. Yeah. Docket Nostratate is a magisterial document. Catholic Jewish dialogue is a policy which tried to implement that document. They are two separate things. I do not reject any of the documents of Vatican II. The the policy, the actions that flowed from that were called Catholic Jewish dialogue, and it's a, been a miserable failure. It's a failed experiment. Even the Vatican had to admit it. Okay, but the, but you say I do not object to the va documents of Vatican II, but that isn't a Catholic response to the Second Vatican Council, right? It should be an enthusiastic. I, you know, I enthusiastically do not reject. <laughs> How's that? I enthusiastically do not reject. Okay. That's uh, is that's sort of a Jesuitical sort of response. I was but, trained by Jesuits, so, I, so I, was come, I. I come by it naturally. <laughs> All right. So, but but you could understand what I'm saying. That well, I, I, okay, and I think you find offensive a certain type of 
uh, magisterial minimalism, where you, where, you know, right? You've dealt with set of Vicantis before sure. I was born, and these uh, schismatic people who want to say, well, it's minimal, it's only infallible teaching, ex, ex, ex cathedra. That it is was not. A, it was Catholic a pastoral. Mentality. It was a pastoral council, so right. therefore we don't have to fight. I, I, right. I, and, and I have never followed. I have here. never followed that. I have right. never followed. And that. you hate that mentality. If I accept, mistaken. I accept the magisterium. I do. But don't okay, but, I had look, I'll give you an example. Charlie Rice, great pro-lifer, the late Charlie Rice, professor of law school, said the magisterium determined that we have something we have to uh, uh, be friendly to the Jews or something like that. The, this is not magisterial. That's a policy. That's a policy that you that, OK, may or may not be. We have to learn from policy as to whether we're going to continue it forever. If we fail miserably for 50 years, why should we continue that policy? Maybe okay, the policy's wrong. Okay, but you may. All right, let me challenge you on this. I know that when uh, Benedict XVI reinstated the Latin Mass, he went into the uh, liturgy, the Good Friday liturgy, and made uh, changes to the you know that formula about the perfidious Jews right. whose blindness has kept them. He made specific changes as the pontiff right to a liturgic that that's magisterial to right. the and i he understand has it's every just right he has every right he is completely sovereign over the liturgy he can make whatever changes he wants but his changes have to be constrained by tradition he can't just right. uh, uh, suddenly say okay uh that no he's constrained by the tradition but what i'm saying is yes i agree with you and it doesn't mean that the previous formula was heretical but there has been a development, right? Like with the death penalty and everyone's going to flip out in the chat because they'll say the death penalty. And you, I don't think you buy that that has been a reversal, but there has been a shift that I think is hard not to see as a movement of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might assess personally I get to say, that that has been a mistake. Look, if but you're saying Catholic, if you you're saying there. If you're saying that the Holy Spirit moved Pope John Paul II to make an overture to the Jews, I can't deny that. I can't. There's no evidence, but I certainly can't deny it. But that doesn't change the fact that the Jews exploited that as an opening to, for their own uh, advantage. They they, oh. they 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 treated they treated this heartfelt overture of a man who had the sympathy for the Jews. They treated it with contempt with contempt by their actions. And we have to learn from those historical circumstances about how to continue in the future. Okay, I, and I understand your point, but you have said that that Benedict XVI was programmed after the Second World War as a, Jew, as a German. And you have said to me specifically that Pope Francis is controlled by the Jesuits. I don't think that's compatible with an understanding of the papacy, a, a, a magisterial... I, I understand it's so a you're, private you're story. An ultra, you can say you're that. an ultramontanist who says basically <laughs> the Holy Spirit tells the Pope what to have for breakfast. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, understand, I understand the temptation. Statement. I understand the temptation. I was te I'm a I'm a recovering ultramontanist, <laughs> and the man who helped me along this path was Pope Francis. So the point here is yes. Cardinal Ratzinger, yes, Joseph Ratzinger, was subjected to the most ruthless form of social engineering in the history of the human race. And yes, I think he was affected by it. And yes, I think the manifestation of that acceptance was the way he dealt with Vatican II. He took over Vatican II. Read the Zaval biography. He got the he threw out the Ottaviani documents. 
This is all, uh, and he wanted something positive. I'm saying this desire on his part uh, was a result of the social engineering that the German people have been subjected to after World War II. But every council has political, it has people with various motivations, right? And you cannot get 2,000 bishops to come together and say the Jews did not kill Christ. It failed. The council reasserted the Catholic tradition and re hope uh, on a hopeful note hoping yes. that this would bring about some type of collaboration with the jews and it failed it did not okay. succeed okay but you would have to admit okay you admit the temptation because you are an optimistic man and you've been called by rad trads a jew whatever that means right yes. that you too have been subverted and you understand this kind of paranoid way of thinking um but i just would say to you couldn't you possibly see that Yes, the, the second the response to the Second Vatican Council was messy, but maybe that's a natural swing of the pendulum. But how do you you must recognize an historian as an historian that that's happened in every council there have been, and maybe the Holy Spirit and the Holy Catholic Church is playing the long game here. Maybe what's right around the corner is a real attempt at the conversion of the Jews. And I would just note that your narrative says. We are locked in a battle, an existential battle with our enemies, the Jews. I don't think that's where we want to be. Well, we're there whether we want to be there or not. And no one, and no one, no one has done more to bring about the conversion of the Jews than E. Michael Jones. I, I believe I could get I could get Jews to come on here and talk yeah. about it. Yeah. So this I'm saying they do not respect someone who is going to simply abandon the, the very the very gospel that is their salvation. Right. The, the, a, Jew, a Jew who converted once told me that this dual covenant theology is basically an expression of hatred of the Jews. He told me, I guess they want Jews to go to hell. Right. This is the gist of if you don't accept baptism, if you don't preach baptism to the Jews, you're sending them to hell. It's that simple. Right. And I understand that the, the, when you use the term the Jews to say the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, baloney, and all this stuff about the Wall Street elites, the Hollywood elites, the Bilderberg. My, my, favorite, my favorite term is, my favorite term was Archbishop Chaput talking about secularizing activists. That great euphemism when he's talking about uh, uh, the, the Supreme Court decision uh, de uh, uh, de striking down school prayer. That was the American Jewish Committee. That was Leo Pfeffer. Don't you know that? If you don't know that, why are you writing this article with euphemisms like that? That is getting us nowhere. Nowhere. We're going nowhere with that because what Peter said is our example. You have to confront the Jew and say, you killed Christ in some manifestation, you overturned school prayer, you are responsible for breaking the production code, you are the one who gave us abortion. If you don't say this, there's no there's no opening for conversion. Okay, I'm so well, sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, so do we want to move into Q&A now? I mean, we can keep like, we can do a little open discussion or just move into Q&A. I know your time is sure, valuable. We'll, so. We respect that, Dr. Jones. Thank you again um for your time but if you want if you want to send a question dr jones's way yeah we have a couple questions so okay let's 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 deal with some questions okay um green leader says what are e michael jones thoughts on the sspx specifically does he think they are in schism yes they are 
and I went to Bishop Williamson uh, he, uh, to, when they lifted the excommunications. I told him uh, to, to end the schism. He had a letter on his desk. It says, I accept Vatican II in light of tradition, and he wouldn't sign it. And this is proof that they are in proof of his death wish, but also proof that they are still in schism. Okay. Um, let me see. Um, DeWitt says, please ask Dr. E. Michael Jones, does he have any idea whether or not Christian conversions to Christianity are improving any in Israel? Thank you. Christian conversions to Oh, you mean Jews mean, conver Jews converting yeah, to, Christ yeah, to Christianity? Means. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I think that I think that's happening. It, it happens in every age, in spite of the fact that the, the Jews try to prevent it. Yes, I think it is happening. Okay, um, let me see here. Pablo says, "Why does E. Michael Jones believe Orthodox Christianity is not true?" That is not true. Orthodox Christianity is an apostolic religion. Uh, there was a, uh, the problem is that uh, there was a, they're in schism. Uh, uh, the problem is that they, they separated, the, the Orthodox, the Greek-speaking Christians were the cutting edge of Logos in human history at the time of the uh, councils that defined the Trinity, and gradually they drifted off into something, uh, a kind of ethnocentrism uh, from which they need to be rescued by a communion with, with Rome. This was resolved in the Council of Florence. Uh, at the, they resolved the issue. And then when people like Basarian went back to the Orthodox people in Russia, they rejected the uh, the reconciliation and they, they've suffered as a result of it. So no, I'm not saying it's not true. It's an apostolic religion. It's not Protestantism. Okay. Uh, let's see here. What does Dr. Jones think we as Christians should do about this problem? This problem meaning the Jewish problem? Uh, yeah. First of all, we have to articulate. So. There was a time, 1890, the Catholic Church addressed the Jewish question in three articles in Chivota Catholica. We have to go back to this understanding of Catholicism as a, a force for good in the world, and that means a force that is willing to oppose Jew, the Jewish revolutionary spirit in any of its manifestations, abortion being the crucial issue right now. Okay, I'm. Uh, let's see here. Can I just say one thing before? Can I just say yeah, one yeah, thing sure, before sure. you pop you can, that you, up? So just yeah. pop that away. Dr. Jones, I, I believe, I, I don't mean to be, I know it's very easy for me to be what they call a blue pillar who's trying to be normal and trying to paint you as someone who is, I saw your interview with uh, uh, Dr. Michael Brown. I think he was unfair to some extent, but I think he was coming from a position outside of Catholicism. But don't you think, and I'm not, I'm not trying to put this on you as an author, many, don't you think many people miss, I take you as someone, I lived in a very, ethnic neighborhood in Providence, one of the last, what you call, I know you did a whole book on it, one of these enclaves where you got the Poles, the Lithuanians, the Blacks, right. the Jews. And I think that's your kind of vocabulary for talking about the Jews. It's like someone saying, uh, it's like Donald Trump saying, like, we got to pay off the Jews and the mafia and whatever to build something. I don't think people of Grace's age understand the way that you can use that language in that way. That's brotherly, right? It's a kind of like for them, it's sort of, it has this sort of shock value and sounds anti-Semitic. And I'm not telling you how to write your books. And I, I think pretty much everything you say historically is true. But don't, wouldn't you love to just soften it a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I sure would. I don't know why I can't. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a creature of my 
of my background, my age, and where I grew up. And in Philadelphia, you had uh, ethnic communities. I know. And, and, and the, the Jews were one of them. So my, right. uh, I, I worked for an artist, uh, Sam Maton, the late Sam Maton, a Jewish artist. And he said his father owned a grocery store and he had to take uh, soup to his aunt, chicken soup to his sick aunt. And anytime he walked out the door, there were the Irish thugs standing there and he had to get into a fist fight right. before he could take the soup. Well, this is just part of life as, as part of my existence, part right. of the way we talked back then. Uh, right. We at, at the ethnic slur was part of, right. of life back then. Right. So. If if I if I if that's the way I am, I'm sorry. I wish I I wish uh, maybe I should try to soften my. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll take lessons, okay? Uh, well, if I, if I I'm use going to make friends and influence people. I'm going to read that book and maybe I'll do a better <laughs> job. I remember reading about because I'm sort of in between your generation and and Grace's generation. I remember reading outside of something like Detroit, uh, where there was a lot of racial tension in the 30s and 40s and 50s because of the northern migration they actually had this tiny little amusement park and we've been interested in amusement parks and they actually had a uh a, 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 i don't know, like one of the attractions was called dunk an, an n duncan a negro right and so you've got this all these worked up white people you know throwing stuff and i actually think well while, while on the one hand that could be seen as oh the worst kind of thing I think it's really like for those people was really fun just to take out this tension. And of course, you know, it's all in good fun. But I just think that people today, younger people today, and it's just a prudential question, often would misunderstand something like that and the use of that word. It's not used today the way it used to be used. And same with the phrase the Jews. It has come to mean something that I think when you use it is authentic. But when they hear it, they misunderstand it. And I'm not. You know, I, I appreciate you clarifying that. It's a different way of talking, but it's not yeah. what they think it is. Yeah, yeah. I, so uh, Frank Rizzo was a, a big figure in my when I was growing up in Philadelphia, an Italian, part of the ethnic revival. Nixon uh, promoted him. He would say things like, bring bring that big-nosed Jew Marty Feldman out here. Right. Well, that was one of his supporters, you know, and this was the kind of inter-ethnic uh, uh our back and forth that simply was part of life. I think it was, I think it was healthy to be honest with you. Jesse Jackson too, right? Kike Town or something like that. I mean, and it's he... it's just it's just uh, you know, stop being so squeamish. Stop being such a snowflake okay. about, about this. Let's deal all right. With let's get that ethnic to be reality. <laughs> That's right. All right. All right. Back to the questions. Okay. Um. Let's see here. I want to be. I want to be. <clears throat> I'll try you to know, get it, through it, these quickly. Did E. Michael Jones stop wearing bow ties because of Owen Benjamin? No, I wore my <laughs> pink bow tie because of Owen Benjamin. <laughs> I just All don't right. have it on tonight. I don't think it goes with this suit. <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, is Matthew 1720 literal or metaphor? I'm Catholic. I don't know what Matthew 1720 is. So you're going to have to tell me what that is. Uh, let's see here. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. This is uh, Jewish speaking, the kind of Jewish exaggeration that is part of their, their language. Uh, it is literally true that faith, uh, we say faith will move mountains. We can do things by faith 
because we have faith that we could not do otherwise. That is the truth behind the metaphor. All right, let's see here. Talkin says, EMJ, who is the rightful apostolic successor to Peter? Right now, Pope Francis. All right. Grace, um, we made a promise. Let's let's be. Yes, let's be we're at an hour three. Um, yes. Okay. I, All right. You're I right. I, your time. I, I, I've, I've enjoyed this exchange. I think it was oh, really thanks. productive. Uh, I had a great time in, a t- in addition to it, uh, but I have something I got to go to. So. Sure. Thank okay. Thank you so much. Thank you much very for much. On. We really appreciate, appreciate it. it. <laughs> have a great night. Thank you. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Wow. That was interesting. I got my point in. Yeah, yeah, you did. You did. He didn't get get curmudgeonly. I think he understood my point. He could tell (laughs) I was coming from a good place. Oh, I'm glad I got the bow tie question in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think he sees us as, oh, I mean, those are high praises. I don't know what to say. I'm giddy. I'm giddy. I need oh. to go have a smoke. <laughs> okay. How do you prove to me? I'll take it. I'll take it for a little while. Oh. Oh, okay. My dad will be back in a little bit to answer questions. <laughs> um, the rest of the questions. I'm sorry if I couldn't ask all of them, but if you have any more questions, like I'm pretty sure my dad can answer a lot of the questions you might have had for E. Mike, Dr. Jones, but um. <clears throat> I did want to say, uh, Enslaved says, did Ben cut his hairs for this? No, he got a haircut a few days ago. Oh, is that a question for him? Oh, I get it. I get it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so this isn't related to the stream, but I did go on the uh, Hormaxer stream yesterday. And... Um, I don't know if anybody saw that. Probably not, but he came on my stream and then he told me to come to his stream last night and I was like, okay, fine. I guess I'll go over. And um, I tried to... I tried to kind of deal with it, but like, you know, I kind of thought it was going to be okay at first. I don't know if you guys know who that guy is, but he's like this sort of black pill guy on YouTube. So I went over to his stream. Yeah, it's on YouTube enslaved. Um, it's his most recent live. And, uh, you know, I was trying to, to kind of make it a joke and say like, okay, I don't take this, this seriously. Um, but I would have to say like, it was a weird experience, you know, (laughs) drop the link. Sure. I'll drop the link oh god i went on and i tried to evangelize i mean not really but yeah it's called young women please put a sock in it so um what's a black pill a black pill is kind of it's it's like um okay i'm sure people are gonna say i'm mischaracterizing it but it's kind of like saying that uh like men who are ugly have no chance of getting a woman, so they may as well give up and just, you know, kind of just use women for sex and just forget about it. I'm pretty sure, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> is that a promise ring? Uh, I uh, I started calling him un- Uncle Max. That's that's my new name for him, Uncle Max, because you know it's like kind of babyish to not tell me your name, so I'm just gonna call him Uncle Max. 
Um, Ford Tribe says, congrats to Ben. He held up to EMJ and kept it interesting and cordial. Respect. Thank you very much. Yeah, I I mean, I know he was super nervous and uh, we had a couple technical difficulties, which were so embarrassing. <laughs> but I switched his camera to his uh, laptop camera and I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun. I was, I was, I, you know, I was just kind of, I just thought it was great. Um, let's see here. You on Hormaxer was entertaining to say the least, lol. Yeah, I said the link in the chat if you guys want to watch it. Uh, <clears throat> essentially I confronted him about, you know, his ridiculous view of sex and women and, uh, you know, he said all his gross stuff to me and I tried to act like it didn't matter to me, but I was, I I had a really hard time sleeping and I'm not saying like it really hurt my feelings. I'm just saying like, it was weird to be in that space where I ended up like being on a stream with like seven other guys who were saying like super gross stuff to me and also seemed like they wanted to kill me sometimes. And it was just a weird, like, I don't know. I don't know how you're supposed to deal with it psychologically. But it was, like, fine. It wasn't a big deal. But, you know, you try going on there as a girl. Like, there's, it's just, like, it has an effect on you. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have seen Hormax or stuff. But it was, whoo. Um, okay, so I still have, I've, I still have, sorry. I still have everybody's questions. I'm going to ask them to my dad. Um. And you can feel free to send in any other questions if you want. Also, my mom will be doing the stream on Monday, pretty sure. So uh, she'll be reviewing my interview on Uncle Max's YouTube page because I personally can't really watch it over because I didn't like it. So I didn't, I, I just couldn't, I don't know. It's just too kind of crazy to rewatch. So she's going to be going over that on Monday because uh, <clears throat> we're going to sort of take a long weekend from the stream. I mean, not really, but we're going to take Monday off. Let's see. June says, where did E. Michael Jones go? Dr. Jones was so, so generous to come on the stream. He only had an hour and he told us that ahead of time and we took him to an hour and three minutes with questions. So we, he had to, he had to run. He had to go do something else. Um, but we really appreciate him coming on. It was just really awesome. And I, I think everybody had a fun time. I think it was a lot of fun. Like, they got into it. It was, you know, it was intense. Um, let's see here. Where's Ben at? He went out for smoke. He'll be back in a few minutes. Uh, Provo Kid says, not really the demographic I would go to to share conservative views. You mean Hormaxer's stream? Yeah, I could see that, except, like, well, I mean, it's just the thing is, like, I don't have a problem with his views. It's just, like, he just wouldn't stop talking super explicitly. And it got gross after a while. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, it just got, it gets, it gets boring and gross. It's just like being around a bunch of, like, teenage boys who can't control themselves. Like, okay, guys, I get it. Right. You're going to say that I'm a whatever and a whatever and you'd like to do whatever. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> I caught a little bit on it, but I don't think there's even any intention of words of offing you. No, no, I'm not saying, maybe I miss, maybe I misphrased that. I'm not saying anybody said anything. They were, they were generous. It just seemed like sometimes they got very angry at me. That's all I was trying to say. 
I'm not saying <laughs> I misspoke. Okay. I misspoke. Nobody, nobody was trying to no, And nobody threatened me on a stream at all. They were all nice. They were. It's just that some of them had this very angry attitude. It seemed. And at a certain point I kind of felt like what's going on here. Like, it seems like you're super angry at me and I don't know what I even did, but you know, plenty of them were perfectly, perfectly nice. I mean, give me a break. I'm not saying anybody threatened me. Okay. Okay. Duplicitous grace strikes again. I'm not duplicitous. Am I not allowed to say that the stream was a little intense? Like, and that's on his stream. So I, whatever my fault for coming on or whatever, but, um, it was fun. I appreciate that he had me on, but it was just like, it was a little intense and I had a tough time psychologically dealing with that. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Woody, they might be upset. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, I was just being hyperbolic. I, nobody threatened me on a stream with anything at all. Okay. <clears throat> oh, Q2. Oh, you were the guy who was on the stream. Oh yeah. 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 You were nice. I don't know. The rest of them were so, sort of like, I don't know. Some of them were nice. It just, it, it just got like super intense at some points. And I was just kind of like, this is hard to deal with. Uh, okay. So. All right. He's back. Okay. Your camera is so bad. I'm going to go fix it. <laughs> <laughs> my tech was the worst. I know it's so it was five bad. minutes, and then I go cry. Five minutes. Oh, oh man, crazy! I think you were weaponized against me. I was so bad. I was like, I was sitting group. here praying. I was like, please just keep the camera on because I I couldn't figure out what kept turning it off. But <laughs> we look like such clowns. Oh, I know. I guess the Lord wanted to make he, it as he, hard as possible. As usual. He didn't seem to really care, though. I guess. <laughs> nah, he's. he's but yeah, it would be better. Okay, so we have <laughs> all right. More I questions. want the critical comments. Pretty much everyone agrees unanimously that I did a great job. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see here. I can't find it, but Fortune Tribe Ooh, said, "Oh man, that was." Whew. Fortune Tribe said, "Uh, props to Ben. He kept it respectful and interesting, and held his own with E. Michael Jones." Hmm. I don't think I just caved because he noticed the first. Cross-examination was just his speech for eight minutes. Yeah. There were no for four questions. minutes. Yeah. For four minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I wanted to originally do it that I question him and then he comes back. But he wanted to. Whatever. We just we just let him make the terms. <clears throat> Jerome's trolling us. <laughs> All right. Luke has hey, a Jerome, question for what's you. Up? Luke sure. Slade. Ask Ben if he concede that if an ethnic group has proven itself to be subversive over the course of thousands of years, would that warrant constant vigilance and opposition to them? Yeah, I think on a secular level, that's true. But we're Christians, right? So our way of doing things should be different than the way of the world. And this would be an interesting question for Dr. Jones. Um, if it's true that he says, like, well, it's kind of like, the, if he was, if he's to say, like, well, this has allowed to go on so that this group has almost total control, then you're sort of effed, anyways, right? Yeah. I mean, what's his theory? It sounds to me like I don't think he would espouse this at all. It sounds to me like he, that what would be necessary is a kind of an apocalyptic sort of warfare, right? So he said at one point that Jews should hold no positions of authorities in Christian. 
Christian nations, right? Yeah. Which is a medieval approach. And I mm-hmm. think there was there there is a history of taking that approach. I've lost it again, Grace. I'm lost again. Now that camera is not working. The laptop camera? Okay. Well, do I, am I not? Okay, I'm back. It's just frozen. So, I yeah. I mean, what would that entail? I don't think he, he wants to embark on that project. You're going to create laws which exclude uh, Jewish people in the West from positions of authority. How in the world would you do that? Right? Yeah, yeah. How in the world? I mean, that, I think he's, I, I think to his credit, Dr. Jones espouses kind of the most extreme theory because I don't think he wants to be an edgelord. But I think he feels like I've got to be honest by making an, an exaggerated, an exaggerated ar- argument, which is very old school. You know, it's very old school and part of that culture that he admitted he's a part of and yeah. isn't yeah. really a part of like ma- like what would be called mainstream discourse now. And I think he was saying younger people need to get it right. Well, I but do- I don't think he has a serious contention that this is a political program I mean, because this would involve, I mean, this, this would, this, <laughs> I just don't really see how you're going to do that. Yeah. Uh, I read a book in the 1920s by Hilaire Belloc, who I, I think is one of the great, great Catholic authors, um, but he tends to be strident. And he, he and G.K. Chesterton, I think, came up with this proposal that Jewish people should wear <coughs> Middle Eastern garb. Like, uh, you know, Semitic looking mm-hmm. clothing to differentiate themselves so that people could know who they're dealing with. <laughs> I mean, that's not as that I, I, as much as that may be a may have been possible theoretically. A, I mean, you're really going to do that. You're going to say, OK, starting tomorrow, all Jewish people have to wear um, Semitic garb so we know who we're dealing with. <laughs> Right. No more yeah. guessing whether the Steen is German or Jewish German. Right? Just, these are not serious proposals. I don't. I, I, my, what I was trying to say is maybe the Vatican is right. You know, I know a lot of people here don't follow the Vatican. Don't don't you know consider the Pope to be the successor of Peter. But how how I, that was my question. How on what basis does a Catholic say? that the Pope has been subverted by the Jesuits. And I think he means who have in turn been been subverted by the Jews. So he's saying the Pope is controlled by the Jews. I don't think he really means that, but he's saying there's an inordinate, right? But I think he knows that Pope Francis is his own man. And he's not always wrong. And he's, uh, P- Michael Jones actually is kind of a blue pillar on many, many levels. Mm-hmm. Watch his thing about the Second Vatican Council. It's totally orthodox, but I couldn't get him to say, he's like, I, he goes, I enthusiastically do not disagree <laughs> with the guy. He, he just, he can't say, I love the second Vatican council. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think you can say that. And I think he wants, this is where the, this edgelord psychology thing. I think he wants to like, there's an impetus among certain men to say, I've got to say, This is why I kind of consider him kind of like John the Baptist. I have to say the most, I am a prophet, right? And a prophet in Jewish tradition often says things that are extreme, right? Yeah, yeah. Tells the nation they are 
whores. They're, they've gone after harlots. They are, right? It's this extreme stuff that could be read as an utter permanent condemnation of those people. Yeah. But it also comes from a place of love. And I, I don't know. I think E. Michael Jones should be on a Vatican Council for Jewish-Christian hmm. relations. And I think Jewish people actually would find him refreshing and kind of Jewish, honestly, right? That use of, uh, that use of that, uh, the kind of ethnic sense of humor, the ethnic sensibility, yeah. the use of yeah. um, hyperbole. But Way to attack a guy think... when he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> he's welcome to defend himself. You know, everybody in the chat was like, this guy should be an Orthodox. Why is he still a Catholic, right? They're like, based, right. based, based, based. No, but that's not true, though, because he... he... <laughs> Uh, well, if you read him more carefully, he's actually one of the biggest defenders of Pope Francis, and he really hates uh, the schismatic Catholic movements. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. we've seen debates where he does that. So, but this idea that the papacy has been subverted for sixty years uh, and the Second Vatican Council was subverted—I don't think he believes that quite. But I think his argument is: Well, look at what's happened, and I keep hearing that among Catholics. Look at what's happened. As if in any given year after a council, you can judge historically, you know, like so mm -hmm. that it's been since 60, 68, whatever, um, 60 years, maybe. Yeah. 67 years that you can just say like, all right, enough, enough. Let's judge this. We went off the rails. And that's what Jay Dyer does, right? I mean, that's Jay Dyer's argument. So I'm just saying, yeah, as yeah, a Catholic, yeah. how are you making that argument? And I think mm -hmm. in our current milieu, and his milieu is obviously red pillars, right? He's not. Yeah, yes. <laughs> the blue pillars are not having him on, which right. is to their detriment, I think. Right, right. Right. Um, but he's he's not a red pillar for red pilling's sake. I think he just feels like, this thing of tough love, like we've got to be honest first and then we can be warm. But it gets apocalyptic and I don't think he means that. I don't think he wants an all out ethnic war of all non-Jews against Jews where they're stripped from any. I, it's, it's so extreme. I don't think he wants. I don't think he would actually propose that. But he's not here to say so he could he can tell me later. Um, enslaved says, are we going to say the fourth Lateran council was an error? <laughs> I don't know. You don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. The details. Uh, I'm not going to. He, he sent this Canon 69 summary. Jews are not to be given public offices. Anyone instrumental in doing this is to be punished. A Jewish official is to be denied all intercourse with Christians. Uh, I believe that's probably true. That's a canon of a council. Are we saying that that is an infallible teaching? I don't think anyone would say that. That's a disciplinary canon. Oh, okay. But I don't. I don't know, right? Yep. Okay. You're saying that uh, <clears throat> um, is enslaved. Oh, that's enslaved. That's a different person. Yeah. That yeah. this is um. This is settled, permanent teaching that in any Christian country, but we're not even a Christian country, right? Western he said, "Oh, that's valid." I suppose. Um. Okay. Uh, this was for the panel. Stance on race, IQ, realism, and society. For both of us? Yeah. I, I can tell you what E. Michael Jones is. Here, I'm more red-pilled than he is. 
but I'm still bluish. Um, he doesn't, he just, I don't think he wants to talk about it. Yeah. I don't think he thinks the IQ tests are valid. I think he thinks IQ testing is BS. Yep. Yep. I would agree 100% with that, but I think it's way exaggerated. For example, according to um, IQ tests that have been done of Ethiopians, they rank either last or second to last on those IQ tests. And, you know, how was this test done? Under what conditions? What population within? What Ethiopians can mean like 28 different things. Um, but they rank, they get about a 62 on it, which is like well below the threshold of what used to be called <laughs> mentally retarded. I don't know what it's called today. Mm -hmm. Differently neurological, neurologically abled. Divergent. Um, <laughs> but um, I found Ethiopians to be very bright. Some not, some were like real dunces. But I, I, I think overall, it, you know, this racial theory doesn't make much sense because Ethiopians are not sub-Saharan Africans. Mm -hmm. uh, they're clearly a mix between uh, Arabic people or whatever, Semitic people, and even their language is thoroughly Semitic. So maybe we got the smartest ones in the bunch, but I just, it, it just didn't match up, you know, this mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I think there's very little data. It's not carefully. But are there differences in people, in populations? Are there differences yeah, I think it's. I, I have a whole theory about that, <laughs> but okay. it's also a blue pill. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Somebody just said you're the most blue pilled person they've ever <laughs> encountered. Well, I think all Christians are blue pilled people, right? <laughs> I remember someone said, as a comment on me, everything's going to be okay. Trust the authorities, and everything's going to be okay. Yeah. How is that not an absolute? Uh, how is that not an absolutely uh, necessary position as a Christian to have? Uh, they God said that, is the Lord of history. Yeah. And everything that's happening to you in your life <clears throat> is happening for a reason. And there's no need to despair. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world, <laughs> including the Jews. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. I believe that's true. I think we get terrorized. I mean, these guys that you encountered on the Hormaxer, you guys will see this. Uh, did you promote it? Yeah. Or Potokos is going to be. I, yeah, I told them she'd be reviewing I it mean, on Monday. You know, you say to yourself, and, and, and this was the thing, like, oh, demons are in this chat. You know, you've, you've opened your channel to demons. Okay. How much opened our channels to? <laughs> and I will. I hate, I hate that song. Oh, I hate that song. <laughs> there are passages in the Psalms that I can't read now without having some stupid chance. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I do get, I, I guess it is true that I am offering a blue pill to all the red pillars. You can go there, but come on back. It's a great place to be. There's young people who need our help, and there's older people who can offer a more hopeful thing. But when you went into your group, Grace, and there's all these, I think, nice-looking young men mm -hmm. trying to make some kind of argument that life sucks. 
right? And that your attitude towards women should be that you hate them and that you pay prostitutes for sex for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that this is some kind of cool <clears throat> place to be. Like that it's makes Loserville, sense. Loserville, guys. And I like the Hormaxer. The Hormaxer is a little bit like E. Michael Jones because he doesn't, he's not actually as black pilled as they are, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're not as dark as he no, is. No, everybody. It's all a scam. Yeah, right, right. Everybody, I he's saw Uncle somebody. Max. Yeah, he's Uncle Max. Your pervert Uncle Max. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a little scary in there, Grace. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you. Like, Grace was a little like. I said it was, geez, I said it seemed you know, like a little bit. Making all these creepy propositions to you and yeah and you I know said everyone it, I in the chat going yeah i'd like to do this to you how much right uh, right uh, uh, but whatever it's the internet yeah but i did you were somebody a, like accused a, me of saying that i said that they threatened me be, because i said like they seemed angry i mean they didn't threaten right and then me, and then and then you're in the impossible situation of going hey you're just trying to have male attention and then when they you know and here's some male attention what i'd like to do this to you right it's like jeez. <laughs> uh, but and then there's people who are like, I think Grace is nice. This <laughs> is crazy. Right. But the idea that this is a demonic place. It's not a demonic place. It's just a place where a bunch of like teenage boys with a teenage boy mentality right. just want to say like, yeah, you know what you should do with them? You just bang them and then beat it. Right. It's like That's it's like good fall. It's like Beavis right. and it's like fine guys. Style. Okay. Yeah. This isn't an intellectual movement. This isn't a pill. It's just being a doofus, right? Uh, yeah, it's so, like a bunch of like randy teenage it's just too, boys. It's who too just dark get a out too there. Dark. It's too dark and paranoid yeah. and babyish, right? Guys, and and their main their main argument is, if you're not a Chad guy, God has condemned you to a life of loneliness. So you might as well commit sort of moral suicide. Where the hell did you get that from? <laughs> Develop your personality, make some money, start a business. Or, or whatever, or just be a great guy. Chicks will love you. That's why I was saying, if you like, well, I just didn't understand it. You know, they called me a Chad, and they <laughs> called you at one who would only be with Chads. I don't even understand that category. I, I don't feel like there is this hierarchy. And yeah, he said I'm, I only like oofy doofies. I don't know what that. I'm means. six eight. Okay, and I understand that gives you certain advantage. It gives you certain disadvantages too. Not everybody can be Hollywood Ben Thorpe, but I mean, Ben. But do you think, still, he, Dad? Can you turn my up life hasn't been successful? Turn up your computer screen brightness a little bit. You know, how to do, do that. that. It looks like a sun at the top of the keyboard. It's on Max. Okay. Um, Woody says, Ben. But do you think he's honest and righteous with his thinking? Will his ideology have any re relevance in the future? I think he's basically. I, I think E. Michael Jones is basically honest. But I think he's he is speaking a language that is understandable to people of his generation who come from ethnic urban neighborhoods. And in that kind and, and is kind of like a pugnacious towards another ethnic group. I think he needs to soften it to a like, you know, just understand that that that's an ever decreasing population. I, I think what happened is I almost said to him, well, come on, Dr. Jones. You know that if you came my way a little bit and we blue-pilled, the Jews would high-five us 
you'd be able to go on all the shows and everyone would love you because you've been out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And the Jews would love you. Right. You could be their spokesman and he's like, ah, dirty Satan (laughs) trying to lure me in. We could have falafel with Jews. It'd be great. (laughs) Lots of money, lots of prestige. And, um, we don't have to be edgelords. You've been an edgelord long enough, guy. You've done your job. Well done. A little bit, you know. But now bring it in. and, and Because I think the problem is the Adam Greens of the world, right? Who only read the Jewish Revolution. Yeah. Spirit, and they only read it through a certain lens. And he said stuff on this broadcast. I don't think he defends at all. We're locked in a battle with an ethnic group. And that's the point of the gospel. I did get him to say that stuff. And then... I don't think he's super comfortable with it, but I won't put words in his mouth, but I am. So whatever. Dad, is I'd like to have ring, a continued conversation. Your, is your ring light on? Is that light on? Yeah, Chris. Oh, man. You're going to have to do some tech work. It's really bad. That lighting. was unbelievable. You got to you guys got to give me credit. That, that was, was so, so humiliating. Bad. <laughs> so bad. I'm so sorry. I think we should call it. My stomach is all a flutter. Probably going to have some kind of problem tonight and uh wow i really felt like that was great because i the main thing i didn't want him to see me as is is like i didn't want him to be hostile you know yeah 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 i was i, was I don't nervous. think he was I no no think he was i think he liked the you. end he laughed a little and i think he understood that i was coming from a sincere place and not trying to do a splc hit thing yeah 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 yeah. and yeah. i think you know maybe some of my providence stories helped my detroit <laughs> story uh, i get it got, i do get it i do friends. get it yeah but and he did concede that point but i think he just wants to uh. <laughs> <laughs> um okay let me see here maybe one more question then i gotta i gotta go because i'm gonna have like serious problems later i'm so nervous i shouldn't have okay. eaten anything Okay, um, oh boy. I can't believe it. I can't. Oh. I can't believe we had to eat. I was so stressed at that. And then he didn't talk to us all for like two weeks. And then I know he, the guy, I mean, we I guess like, he's we're busy, like, but I we're mean, like, geez. okay, is he going to come on? I was like, he's not. And then we, on. I looked on Facebook and he like reposted our, our post <laughs> about uh, the debate. So we were like, okay, I was like, he's oh no, I have to start another beef with you, Michael Jones. So I'm going to go through all my correspondence with him <laughs> and show that he in fact did agree to this. And then, you know, then I'll do the debate like myself against myself or something. (laughs) You should have shouted and swore at him, Ben. Like certain Mick. (laughs) I think he's half kraut, half Mick. But he's Um, the type of guy you could say, you're like, yeah, that's your Mick side talking. You know what I mean? And (laughs) I don't really talk that way, but I I do sometimes. All right, Grace. Uh, okay, one more question. Is praying in a mosque heretical? June. <laughs> um, this has to do with something that Pope Francis did? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember somebody else asking me a question, asking a question um, about that. I think it has to do with um, is praying, partaking in a Muslim prayer ritual in a mosque heretical? Praying in something that's a mosque, I don't think. You could you could have a you could have a I don't I don't know how this works. I don't know all the details, but I would think you could have in a Catholic mass in a mosque. Yeah. If there were reasons to have it. I don't think a mosque 
I think there have been mosques which have been converted to churches. Um, can you pray with a Muslim person? I believe we worship the same God, the God, the God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob. So yes. Can you pray Muslim prayers? Can you say there is only one God and his prophet is Muhammad? Are you saying that's what the Pope did? No way. And you, the point of the point of all these questions is, like the, everyone knows that there is an answer to all of their objections, right? Someone like Michael Lofton, or yeah, know, like these a million people. people have given you an answer. <laughs> you want to ask me this? So did, the kiss, did the Pope kiss the Quran? Um, was what about a CC? It's always the same old stuff. And Distinction says. I think Ben looked pretty good today. Rare Thorpe W. <laughs> and Jerome said, ultimate, incredibly rare Thorpe <laughs> W. All right. Well, I've I been winning gonna... all along, guys. We've Just been balling. <laughs> I think it was a win for everybody. Yeah. I think, I think was... it was healing for Dr. Jones because he had this other, and I encourage everyone to go, maybe we'll watch it together, his debate with Dr. Michael Brown. Yeah. Which I was like, how am I not this guy, Dr. Michael Brown? But I wasn't. I wasn't. I managed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was I was worried, but more. it went so fast. But he was very nice to Dr. Brown. I think the problem was Dr. Brown afterwards said uh, E. Michael Jones is an anti-Semite. And that's what pissed him off. I, I would never do that. I don't think he's anti. I don't think he's anti-Semitic. But I think he's apocalyptic. Pugnacious. <laughs> And there's a role for that, but it's not the only, that's not the Catholic position, but I think it should be part of the conversation. Hmm. I think he should, I think he should be employed by the Vatican Jewish Catholic relations uh, committee or whatever. And I think the Jewish people would want to talk to him. Not the Jews, the Jewish people. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do you want to, you want to wrap up the stream? Tune in on Monday. Yeah. I have shrunk my work week because I believe that Saturdays are just gold. I mean, it's going to take me months to get over that. But I would like to do on next Saturday an intra-Catholic debate um, mm-hmm. among Catholics about this Pope Francis thing. And, of course, Orthodox are welcome to come. But I just think if it's Orthodox with me talking about Pope Francis, well, I mean, I already know their position. Right. So I can't appeal to them as Catholics. Yes. Right. To, right. You know, so it might be interesting for Catholics to, to peer in on that as I try to blue pill other Catholics that actually yeah. the Catholic religion is the true religion, guys. Where is their debate being hosted? It would be it would be here. We're, we're going to try to do a debate every Saturday. We've abandoned our uh, our um, clout chasing attempts to get on the crucible. Or yeah. even Jim Rimjobs channel. <laughs> and. <laughs> I don't think Rimjob's ever going to let me on. No, but he's a, he's, a, he, he's one of our biggest fans. So. He's one of our top chatters. We have to give I him I love credit. having him over here. I want to do my, you know, let's investigate the school I was part of as part of his channel. But I realize that um, calling him Rimjob is only adding fuel to the fire. <laughs> <laughs> well... I, it's just I think it's it's a it's a joke that you couldn't pass up. You couldn't you couldn't. Just I'll be willing. Go away. I'll be willing to negotiate the rim job in return for some serious uh, well airtime 
Once that gets um, out there, I don't I think I will then you refer can... to as the Made by Jim Bob channel. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew, I think, is just spiraling into sort of like endless beefs. Not really with me, but with other people. No. I, I think the guy is at this point really unstable. I think, I think uh, since I'm lecturing everyone today on what it means to be a Christian, <laughs> I'll, lecture, well I'll lecture his fans to say, I think you should reel him in from some of these disputes and arguments, which are stupid. I don't even think most people who are watching it know even what he's talking about. I think he needs a new beef. The boob, the beef in his beef stew is getting a little the boob. Old. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, it's this kind of um, like funky beef stew. He needs Brittany, some fresh beef. She doesn't He's a good even... beefer, but yeah. this beef, like uh, going on to co cozy TV and starting beefs, when you say, like, I just wish them well and I don't want to have an interaction with them, I just don't understand it. And yeah, this person, I don't Brittany, understand it. Brittany, I think he should just make a dartboard with Brittany on it, play darts until it's he's done with that and then just say i'm going to move on <coughs> no, because beef. she doesn't she doesn't even seem interested you know i think they have a little thing going let's say i thought we had a thing going you were trying to put it that way but um a romantic yeah i thought tousle. you guys were sort of gonna find i think andrew just genuinely likes me so <laughs> <laughs> all right all right hashtag yeah. we did something for beautiful watching. for god let's do more beautiful yeah. things for god grace Yes. Hashtag let's do something beautiful for God. Thank you, so everybody, you for watching. Tuesday, if you want to come Monday, the Thorpo Tokos will be hosting. She was reticent about doing it because she has low self-esteem or something like that. Yeah. I gave her a beautiful channel a whole day for it. And she uh, would just be doing Vivo a quick, Crystal Ray, a quick, exactly. Yeah, a quick little... Uh, That's Mark Goring, right? Yeah. Viva Crystal Ray. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Monday, quick come in one hour stream or don't come in. with my mom. She's, what, she does. Don't worry. She about feels it. like if people come and they're disappointed, they're gonna feel like they have to hang out, and that's gonna make her feel awkward. She, that is a misunderstanding of what the internet is. Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't understand come. that you can just. You told them what it's gonna be about. Reviewing a kind of online, I would say, dressing down of grace, <laughs> right? Sexual, exp whatever. So it's like the worst thing that a female can experience on the internet. And it's yeah. not that bad. Not that bad, but a little bit tough to take. Anyways. Bring your wives and your grandmothers, and they can they can panic and pearl their clutches. And then realize. Pearl their I could clutches? Do that. Clutch their pearls. <laughs> and then they could realize, I could do that too, and I should really. These are my grandsons, my kids. These are just boys who are angry and have some sort of bizarre, hilarious, acrobatic uncle who's teaching them <laughs> to go to the strip club <laughs> nothing to worry about for christians not totally a major threat fine. no demons there just good people no demons <laughs> yeah okay bye everybody thanks good for night. coming